soundtrack of your life. The soundtrack of your life. Coming at you. Bright and early on a Monday morning. October 5th, 2020. Starting your day off right. Hopefully you're having a good day. Hopefully things are good. Every Monday I'm going to tell you this. you got 168 hours until this time next week. 168 hours. What are we going to do with those hours? How are we going to fill them? I know some people are going to fill them. Some people, like Eric, who's already already uh, already emailed me this morning, are going to fill them by starting starting the RMF course. RMF course starts today, and I know Eric has been hot on it this morning, already asking for his code to get in. Uh, if you don't know, Eric has volunteered to be our auditor for this session, so Eric's going to make sure that things go the way they're supposed to go and do the things they're supposed to do, and he's going to let us know when things are off the rails. Uh, he's, be, he's been through some of our competitors' RMF training, so we're going we're gonna to highly value his opinion of things and correct them as we go. This is the first run of RMF 2.0 with NIST 853 Revision 5 added in. Honestly, Revision 5 doesn't add a lot of difference to the training, but those places where it does impact, it's important that we, we cover that. So Revision 2 of 853, what we call uh, RMF 2.0, and 853 Revision 5, the new control catalog, new and improved control catalog. Uh, Eric's going to be taking care of the audit, and we'll get you that code today, Eric. Um, honestly, I... I'm not sure how to do it, so Mako is the one that does it. Now, if Alex out there, he's going to blame Mako for being the insider threat. So I always get a good chuckle out of that. That's going on today. Excited about the launch. A um, couple last-minute tweaks we got to do today to get some of the quizzes finished so that you can make sure you're staying on track. But there's so much, so much multimodal information in there. You want to listen to data, you can listen to it. You want to listen to information, you can listen to it. You want to watch it, you want to read it. Doesn't matter. We're putting it all in there. Quizzes, word searches, games, handouts, the, everything we could think about putting in there. Everything we wanted in a course and we never got, we put in this thing. Um, but we're always looking to make it better. So we could always, always look people, look, listen to people for their advice. Um, the other thing, I got notification. Uh, this morning, actually, I got a notification yesterday, but it was official this morning that, uh, you know, they keep a bunch of stats. YouTube keeps a, a whole bunch of stats. And the Cyber Recon, or Cyber Dash Recon, as a lot of people want to make me say it, um, has hit this, this, this uh, milestone, 4,000 hours of watch time in the last year. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Quiet, quiet applause. Um, it's important for a lot of things. I mean, there's there's a couple milestones you do in YouTube that makes makes me feel like we're doing the right thing, right? So when you hit a thousand a thousand subscribers, that's that's an important milestone. And we hit that months ago um, with your help. Obviously, it's a community. We all build it together. So thank you for sharing with your friends. Um, subscribing, you know, hitting the like, all that that stuff that YouTubers say. Uh, we appreciate that because that gets us to that milestone. The next milestone was, you know, people watching the channel because it would be terrible 
to do something and nobody nobody watches. Um, so 4,000 hours of watch time in a year is a, a milestone for YouTube. It allows us to do things like uh, super chats and things like that, but it also allows us to, um, I'm thinking of, uh, quit ads, uh, monetize. Monetize videos if we want to. Um, so we're probably going to monetize the videos that are free and will not monetize the videos, obviously, in the course. So that brings us a little a little challenge to do. So um, hopefully it's not a bunch of, hopefully it's easy monetization. We don't want to put a bunch of crazy ads and stuff. But that's where we are. We have 4,000 hours of watch time. So thanks. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for sharing with your friends, logging in, watching, listening, um, and that kind of stuff. Uh, JJ. Good morning, JJ. Um, no, no, I'm not uh, teaching or volunteering my time at Mission Critical Institute. They actually did, uh, I don't know how public it is. I, I don't know. So I'm, I'm going to say they, uh, the original folks sold it, and it, it's part of another organization now. Um, they contacted me. They wanted some some crazy. I, I, it just was, it wasn't a bad split, but it was a split. Um, so no, I'm not doing anything with Mission Critical um, at all. Um, they, they, we've kind of went our separate ways. I'm doing some stuff for St. Louis University still. Um, that's probably the only thing. I really want to spend my time here with you all. That's where I want to spend my time. Um, JJ, I, I, I like spending time there. The one downfall, the one part I did never like about, did never, the one part I didn't like about that um, is the price. The price of the courseware. Um, always, it, it kind of it, it went against my... Um, I, don't know, I didn't like the way they price things. So the RMF course we do, essentially, here, the one we launched today, um, is the same one they would do, but they would split it over four different terms in college. And I think you pay, and you guys can tell me, JJ, you probably can tell me. Um, they're, I think they're about $3,000 a course. So that's like $12,000 to go through the RMF course that, that actually is not even as nice as the one we're doing now um so yeah jj I, I i had a good time i had a good time i met a ton of good people so i can't ever say it was bad so the people i met through mission critical that the, the students essentially um at baker college and at uh, concordia university were excellent excellent people um let's say i'm way behind on the chats over here Thank you, Eric. It's, it's folks like you that are helping, that are here every single morning helping us out. Um, was there, Didi? Was there, Baber? Was there a was there a video on or a commercial on the live stream? I didn't know they put commercials on the live stream. Um, I'm new, totally new to the monetization, guys. So don't uh, maybe a little rough for a little bit here as we figure out what YouTube monetization means. Um, thank you, JJ. Appreciate it. Um, Huh. How do they have me listed? I'm not doing anything for them. Maybe I, maybe because I, maybe because I uh, taught there. I don't know. Uh, that's a good one. That's a good, good question. Um, yeah, 
I guess they, maybe they just haven't updated it. Um, yeah, get get your cap, get your cap. It's um, it's not, it's not a bad, not a bad certification. Um, CISSP obviously is the king, the king of them. Uh, throwing Jim's name around, Alex throwing Jim's name around uh, to make money. Uh, so many people do that. Hopefully not throw my name around. I know other people, you know, a lot of times this happens to a lot of people. They, they latch onto people's name and they throw them around. That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, Alex, I'm hoping it's just they just haven't updated anything. Hopefully they didn't do it on purpose. Um, yeah. JJ, are you serious? Oh my goodness! Uh, so twenty thousand, and they is that like Kohl's? Um, twenty grand, they offer you a fifty to fifty percent discount. If you bite it the twenty thousand, then they're good to go. And if they if you take the fifty percent discount, they still get ten grand. Um, yeah, this week we're offering ours it's like three hundred thirty nine dollars. I think is what it is. Um, I know it's off. Usually it's like three hundred and ninety nine, but it's like seventy seventy bucks off or something like that. Wow, that that is a chunk of money. Wow, Jay, uh, that's crazy. That's crazy. You saw Michael's commercial. Uh, did anybody else see a commercial? Uh, I didn't. I, I did not. Um, I did not know that. Obviously, the commercial is going to be set on what you normally watch, and I I would expect that. Good morning, Paul. Yeah, JJ. That, oh man, that's a lot of money, man. I'm going to go back up to that. 20 grand. Was that, that was more than just the RMF course though, right? That was, that was the CISP and other stuff, right? I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's more than just the, the RMF course. Yeah, the, uh, new discount would help. It's not like Kohl's, they, you ever go to Kohl's? I don't know if you've ever been to Kohl's. Kohl's is a, a department store, clothes and stuff like that. And you go in and it's, you know, normally priced at $50 on sale for $12.99. Um, yeah, the, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> the CC, the CCRMP. Uh, folks at Mission Critical, they, when they started, they wanted to have their own certification. So they started this CCRMP, and it's a cert, essentially Certified Risk Management Professional, I think. Something Certified Risk Management Professional that they, they created. I was actually on the board of it for a while. Um, we didn't really do anything, though, which was in interesting. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. Should we, maybe, maybe that's Alice. Maybe we need to create our create our own certification and help people out. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of dang money, JJ. Uh, oh, that's a different one. Okay. Uh, I wonder, uh, maybe that's the same one. I don't know. I remember it being cloud. Maybe it is cloud certified risk management professional ISO type work for FedRAMP. Um, take a hard pass for now. I, I yeah, JJ. <laughs> take Take that hard pass. Uh, like, I guess we'll go check them out today. I'm gonna check them out, see where I'm, what they've got me listed as. 
Okay, guys. Um, craziness, craziness, craziness. So in addition to that, you know, the two big things that are going on today, that 4,000 hours was, was huge, guys. I, I can't, I really can't thank you guys enough. Um, you know, you know, I say it every time. I like to say it every morning. This is a, a community we're building, and it's not just me. It's a lot of people doing things, and there's a lot of people in the background. I'm just kind of the one that runs my mouth all the time. Um, but a lot of people helping his community, and a lot of people pitch in and and talk and and you know provide input, and it's that's the part that is important to keep us up top of things. Um, I mean, hands-on work with security plans, assessing systems, using, utilizing the RMF it would be awesome for a company to build out. Yeah, and that's that was the always the plan for um, our courses is to get that hands-on in building stuff. And that's what I tried to do with Mission Critical, too, and it just didn't ever work out exactly right. Um, administration. If you ever deal with colleges... Um, you learn that it's not just as easy as teaching. That's why it's easier to just do your own thing and do it the way you want to do it, the way you think it needs to be done, and uh, and be on with it. Just do you do it the way you want to do it. Do it the way you you feel in your heart it should be done, and and that should be good, right? That's that's what we're trying to do. We we looked at other training courses and other folks that are putting out data, and there's a ton of people on YouTube putting out excellent information. Um, you know, we're doing some stuff on Security Plus. Professor Messer is out there doing great stuff on Security Plus. Uh, I think he does some A-plus stuff, too. There's a lot of people. I can't name them all. It used to be a, a guy, Eli, the computer guy. He's more political now. But he's got a lot of good stuff out there, too. There's a lot of people. And we just want – the one thing I wanted to do beyond just throwing courses out is build something, a, a community of people um, you can turn to, you can lean on, you can – you know, turn to for help. You get stuck on a situation. I'm stuck on this. I can't get through. And the, the whole building the mentorship program out is one of the things I just got to get back on, get that thing going again. So we can help, help each other get better. Um, yeah, that's the whole thing. What do you guys know is in the news today? Here's what's in the news I found. Um, Facebook has got some malware that they've been dealing with. It's been around. It's been pretty bad uh, for a while. So we'll talk about that. Um, there's a, a, a tint information of the, or uh, internet of things, information of things, internet of things, botnet that's been caught, and NIST is trying to take care of your privacy by crowdsourcing ways to keep your information private. Um, Yeah, Eli was great. May have gone off the rails recently. Yeah, Eli's. I mean, Eli's Eli. Yeah, he's, if you guys know Eli, Eli the computer guy, um, he's up in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, a bit north of us, a bit north of DMV, in on the Maryland side of the border. He's doing. He's still got a ton of good videos out there. Um, can't you just great, great stuff? Uh, but now he's he he kind of, I guess he plateaued. He got to a point where he wasn't getting more subscribers he's thinking about quitting and he just he threw up some now he just talks about the news um and it's still entertaining it's it's still informative it's definitely his perspective on the news which is not bad still so talk about events like events that are going on he'll grab the paper he'll grab the kind of like we do with security but he does it with more political stuff um 
one thing he found is he about doubled his the people following him uh, about doubled because he was talking about political stuff and i think and i'm not dogging on eli in any any kind of way shape or form i think if you pick a side either right or left and you go for it you're gonna ramp up your the people that follow you just from that one side right so if you go hard right or hard left or even moderate right or moderate left a lot of people from that side will jump on to hear you hear you talk about things and i, I like you know i like like the stuff eli was doing he, i listen to him still uh now and then, now and then just to hear what his views are on things um he's got apparently goes to new york every year and he's got a very um he's very opinionated about new york city and new york state um, i'll leave it at that but anyways there are a ton i want to the point i'm kind of way off on a tangent here the point was there's a lot of good people out there what i want to build is this community a uh, group of people that will help um there's a ton of people that already have pitched in that jump in and, and have volunteered to do things so i can't say enough good things about that just the fact that people are in watching the videos that's awesome that's awesome so um yeah, Alice, Eli, Eli was great. Eli's got a, a lot of good stuff. Still a lot of good stuff out there. Um, the, the, the good thing about a lot of technology is, you know, routing tables or, or VLANs or how to NAT or DNS, they don't really change that much. So the stuff he's got out there on DNS is still good stuff on DNS. Um, obviously, we'd like you to hit that button over there and like and hit the bell to be notified and comment and subscribe and and all those things so that obviously we can get our numbers even even better even higher um see how big we can make this community lots of people can talk about political polit political items and fire people up not enough people talking about cyber news and breaking it down to why and how the root and that's that's alex you know you've helped alex has helped craft what we talk about in the morning quite a bit um always prompting you know why did they do that or or how did that happen um good at keeping me on track so again that's how this is a community if i start going off on a rail or i miss something someone will always jump in like alex and say hey why would they do that or how did that happen that's that's what i think is making us us here us, us on this channel different it's more of a community of folks so let's jump into the news and see what's going on today Always the, the calming guitar music in the morning. If you guys notice the, the, the giant red cup there, um, I started filling that up with coffee and bringing it down so I could just not keep going upstairs for coffee. Uh, <laughs> cheating the system, right? Um, Facebook. Facebook, you're in the news. Uh, Facebook details malware a malware campaign targeting its ad platform. And this is, uh, this is a big one. Facebook on Thursday released a detailed technical report on a malware campaign that targeted its, targeted its ad platform for years. So it's been out there for years. Uh, re referred to as Silent Fade, and it's silently running Facebook ads with exploits, and the ads is capitalized. So F from Facebook, ad, AD from ads, and 
E for exploit, fade. Silent fade. The malware was identified in late 2018 and the vulnerability was exploiting, uh, was exploiting state detected uh, and it was patched soon after 2018. Facebook took legal actions against the malware operators in December 2019, not too long ago. Um, the malware exploited several server-side flaws to persistently suppress notifications and ensure that the infected user would not be aware of the suspicious activity related to their accounts. So this allowed the, the, the bug, Silent Fade, to abuse the compromised accounts and run malicious ads without the victim noticing anything. So what it was doing, it was, it was you know, normally when you run an ad, you're going to get a notification saying, hey, your ad is going to cost you X amount of dollars. It's going to run for so many days. It's going to, whatever, all those details are going to be in a notification you get. So this bug suppressed that. It kept that from showing up for the end user. So they didn't know they were running an ad. Um, although the, the malware was first detected in the final week of 2018, the cybercrime group behind it is believed to have been operating since 2016. So they didn't say in what 2016 when, but that's that could be up to two years. Constantly adapting to new Facebook features um, and likely expanding to other social platforms and web services as well. Um, that's the important part here. Although this particular bug has been patched on Facebook, the same bug, if modified, could be used on other social platforms. And the one that obviously comes to my mind right away is Instagram because it's owned by Facebook. Um, is it vulnerable? I don't know. Um, and other web services as well. Mm -mm -mm. The important part here, distribution channels for Silent Fade include potentially unwanted programs, PUP bundles, PUP bundles, within pirated copies of legitimate software or other malware families. So again, uh, once a week I get to talk about this. Your friends, your family, your coworkers, the folks that are downloading that pirated copy of Adobe Illustrator because they don't want to pay the monthly fee or the cost of it, or they're downloading Windows because they don't want to pay for it, or they're downloading whatever because they don't want to pay for it, and they think they're getting something for free. Um, everything comes at a cost, man. There's always a cost. There's a reason it's free. Um, people aren't that nice, man. People are not that nice to to give you free software. There's something in it. So when they were getting that copy, that free copy of Adobe Illustrator or whatever, Call of Duty or whatever that software is, you gotta get. And you think you can get it through an illicit channel and not pay for it, you're probably gonna get something like this or worse. Pup bundles would include a downloader component that would fetch the standalone malware component meant to achieve persistence and download the malicious DLLs into the Chrome application directory and perform DLL hijacking. That's step one. Next, the malware would steal the fake Facebook logon credentials from the internet browser and would retrieve metadata about the Facebook accounts and send information to the command and control or CNC servers. The victim's IP address was logged as well for geolocation purposes. You know, it's important to figure out where the, where the, where your victims are at. Um, the thing that stands out on me on this, this little part here, that they don't talk about is next the next 
the malware would steal Facebook credentials from internet browsers. So it's getting the credentials from the browser store, you know, where you, you cache your passwords in your browser. And they don't talk about it in this article, but I wonder, I wonder, inquiring minds want to know, did it have access to all the other passwords in your password store? So we talk a lot about, you know, building complex, unique passwords and using a password vault. Um, and that's like one pass or something like that. Not necessarily the one in your browser. Um, this, this, this is why, this is why, um, yeah. So the social media platform explains this. This is a quote from Facebook folks. Based on the review of the data collected by Silent Fade, it's likely that compromised user accounts had at least a link that had at least a linked payment method were deemed more valuable. Silent Fade or its customers would then be able to use the compromised user's payment method, uh, the credit card, bank account, or PayPal account, to run malicious ads on Facebook. Nice. So running ads for, for whatever. And I'm sure the, running, the ads ran to something else that gained them money because that's why folks do this. They want the money. They want the cash. Uh, if no page or linked information was attached to the account, the attacker would then use stolen credit card data to create pages and run ads, according to Facebook. However, no user payment information details were exposed to the attackers. That's a kind of a weird sentence there, or paragraph. So they're using a compromised Facebook account, and then they're using someone else's compromised credit card data to run ads. Um, so just so you don't think that the compromised account that didn't have any credit card information attached to it, they were still able to use that with someone else's credit card data that they had got some other way, and they still ran the ads. Now. Uh, it's hard to say exactly what they were running the ads for. Now, the ads could be linking and sending people to a malicious site, or it could be just selling junk um, that makes, again, making money. That's the thing. Um, so the malware included anti-VM uh, checks to make sure it wasn't running in a virtual machine or a sandbox um, that targeted Facebook-specific credentials and cookies that were stored on the local machine only. Um, it also leveraged access to the Graph API and other additional information on the victim and took specific action to get around the security checks that Facebook had in place, such as acting, asking for permission. Notification alerts were completely turned off for the compromised account, thus preventing users from receiving alerts on the suspicious activity taking place, login alerts, and Facebook business pages uh, were blocked as well. Crazy. So say Facebook patched the server-side validation flaw and reverted the blocked notification state on all affected accounts, forced password resets, invalidated sessions, and more fixes uh, and detection mechanisms, and reimbursed the affected users. Thank you, Facebook, for paying the money back. Um, I'm sure that wasn't easy to get the money back, though. Uh, Facebook in Facebook's investigation into Silent Fade, which saw a collection or uh, collab collection collaboration from Radware, Bitdefender, Atlassian, Bitbucket, Google, VirusTrust, VirusTotal, 
uh, enabled attribution. And in December 2019, the company sued the Chinese firm I Like Ad Media International Company Limited and two of its employees, namely Xin Zhou, uh, I'm not even messing up with their names, uh, for creating and operating the malware. So is this is this Chinese company? You always you always wonder with Chinese companies is is this linked to state sponsored stuff? Maybe. There's always the maybe. There's always maybe. Silent Fane authors, however, modified their code to ensure it would work with even Facebook's new mechanisms in place, and started employing obfuscation to hinder detection. The social platform also discovered additional Chinese malware. Uh, that are part of an ecosystem targeting Facebook users and says that such attacks were active as of June 2020, which is a couple months ago. Some of the names it mentioned in the report made public on Tuesday include Stress Paint, uh, Facebook Robot, and Sankrons. Uh, Facebook says, we believe the ecosystem spread its wings again in early 2019 with the re release of two newer malware families, uh, Scranos and Facebook Robot, uh, first seen in April and June of 2019, respectively. Um, big thing on this one is, you know, Facebook, you can do multi-factor authentication. Um, do that if you can. If there's some reason that keeps you from doing that, have a secure password, a big long password. And the biggest thing is don't go out and download software from anything other than reputable sources and and i know that's kind of a judgment call there but try to you know if you're getting something for free you're you're actually probably getting something for free you're probably something else hanging out in in that uh download that you're getting not good not good baby says happened to me the other day i ran an ad and i didn't yeah it's still still going on. Um, I don't know. Did you download any crazy software? That's what I want to know. Um, there's a, you know that's one way they get in. Don't say that's that's not the only way they get in. So th in this case, with this article, it was malicious. It was malicious uh, code added to pirated software. It could be any other way they can get into. They're going to use multiple ways to get in. That was just this one. So. Yeah, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers. Although this has been patched, that doesn't mean there's not another round of this stuff going on. It looks like, according to Facebook, they believe this is an ecosystem that's going to keep on going. So, tr trusted software. Get your, you know, supply chain risk management. Get your software from a trusted source. I know it is. It, it sometimes it's painful to spend that much money on software. I know we've got. We've got a dozen or so subscriptions we pay for just to keep this channel up and running. Things like the Adobe Creative Cloud. I mean, that's like 50 bucks a month, but it gives us the ability to do a lot of things to make the broadcast a little bit better. Um, Say, nope, didn't download anything. Yeah, I, get, I, I stay on top of making sure you don't download too much craziness um, and pick on you a little bit for it. Anyways, that's Facebook. That's what's going on with Facebook. These guys... Tenda, they do some, they do some networking stuff, and I know, Mike Bravo, if you're out there, this is not, um, not your favorite, 
networking company. Um, but yeah, they, they got caught too. Um, so this is from ZDNet. Say a new tent Internet of Things botnet caught exploiting two zero days in Tenda, Tenda routers. So Tint is a new form of Internet of Things, an Internet of Things botnet. It also includes a remote access tool like features. Um, thank you. Thank you, ZDNet, for calling it a remote access tool, RAT, instead of what everybody else likes to call it, a remote access Trojan. And you guys already know my thought on that. Trojan is the delivery mechanism, not the tool itself. So this is a remote access tool. Features rarely seen in these types of botnets before. There's a new rat in town, man. Oh. So for almost a year, Threat Actor has been using a zero-day vulnerability to install malware on tender routers and build a so-called Internet of Things botnet. Named Tint with two Ts, botnet was first uh, detailed in a report published Friday by NetLab um, on its network division of the Chinese tech giant Quiho360, I think. Indeed, agrees with me that I pick pick on her. I don't know why I put that one up there. Pick on her for trying to download stuff that she shouldn't be. Yeah, that's so we all have, we all got to do that. Friends, family, coworkers, take care of them, man. Uh, yeah. But unlike the myriad of IoT botnets of this kind spread in the past, NetLab researchers researchers say Tint was different on several le levels. It didn't infect devices to perform denial of service attack, but also implemented 12 different remote access methods to the infected routers. And it used the routers as proxies to relay traffic, tampered with the router's firewall and DNS settings, and even gave attackers the ability to execute remote code on the affected devices. Two zero days, 12 remote access functions for the router encrypted traffic protocol and infrastructure that moves around. This botnet does not seem to be a very typical player. That's what NetLab said on Friday. Um, two zero days, neither patched. According to the company, company's report, the botnet appears to have been deployed last year in November of 2019 when NetLab said it dis detected Tint abusing the first uh, Tenda zero day to take over vulnerable routers. Uh, continued its exploits on the zero-day track as CVE 2020-10987 until July of 2020. Um, when some folks, <laughs> security analysts at Independent Security Evaluators, published a detailed vulnerability report about this and four others. NetLab didn't publish any details on the zero-day Fearing that other botnets would start reporting it as well. However, this wasn't patched either. Even if NetLab researchers said they reached out to Tenda to inform the company. So the researchers from NetLab were like, hey, you got this bug in your router, you got this zero day. You need to fix it. And Tenda was like, yeah, it seems hard. Seems hard. Hmm. That's the answer, right? That seems hard. Um, NetLab said that any tender routers running firmware versions between AC9 to AC18 are to be considered vulnerable since Tent has been seen altering DNS settings on affected routers most likely used to redirect users to malicious sites. 
Um, using one of these routers is not recommended. Yeah, so we have you know we have that DNS table built into your router that essentially converts a name to an IP address, and then the IP address is used to reach out to find that server on the internet. And if you're going to Google and the the bad guy has infected your router, and, and Google instead of sending you to the Google's address, actual address, it's going to send you to a a fake, a malicious site to try to download malware on your computer. So that's why they do this DNS, which is called DNS poisoning, right? That's what the, technically it's called. They're altering the DNS settings. That's DNS poisoning. So they're getting into the router. They're changing the, that association. So it's just a big old table. It says, it, you know, and if you don't know IP addresses, IP address is just the way that computers find servers on the Internet, essentially. That's the boiled down version in, in what we're talking about. So in your local network, it's like 192.168.1.1. That, that's an IP address, four octets that are strung together. People don't talk like that. They don't talk 192.168.1.1. They talk google.com. So there's this DNS, domain name system or domain name service, that converts google.com, something that people like to use for words, into numbers, which is something that computers like to use for words, and then routes that across the Internet. The problem is if the bad guy gets in there and changes that number to an address of a malicious site, then when the user types in google.com, it doesn't go to google.com. It goes to a malicious site, and then there's possibility for malicious code to be downloaded on their computer. So that's why we don't want that. No, no, no. Uh, so don't, don't, if, you, if you've got AC9 to AC18, again, if you're a security person, part of your challenge, go out and find out if you've got the, first of all, do I have these routers on my network? Um, and if I do, are they running firmware versions between AC9 and AC18? And Alex, I know, again, we're out there updating firmware. Oh, man. Ah. So it's based on Mirai, Mirai but it's been expanded. Uh, IoT botnets abuse zero days, and vendors that don't delay, the delay patches aren't a novelty at this point in 2020. Yeah, no doubt. People delaying patches, and it's just, I know it's, again, it's hard. Under the hood, Tint was built on Mirai, an IoT malware family that first was leaked online in 2016. Since it was leaked online, there have been countless botnets that have been offshoots of this original code base. Each botnet operator tried to innovate and add something different, but Tint appears to have been, have borrowed something from each build of Mirai versions to make it more complex than anything before. Security evangelist at Radware, Pascal Green, says, There is nothing really new that was used in this botnet that we have not seen in other IoT or Linux malware yet. Remember, a lot of these IoT devices run Linux because it's, it's open source. It's available to be changed a little bit to work in their devices. It's pretty small, and it's a lot of times free. Um, one of the times, free like free beer, not free like free malware. That said, combining its features in new ways and introducing a C2 or command and control protocol to adapt and reconfigure the bot to create flexible remote access tool um, for its IoT malware. Thank you again, ZDNet, for calling it a remote access tool. Uh, it keeps on going on, it keeps on saying the Windows RAT tools are really the Swiss Army knives that have been in existence for a while. IoT never really caught up with the breadth and depth of Windows malware. That's a good thing, but they are now. They're catching up now, except for VPN filter and now Tint. Tint could make mark the beginning of the maturing of general IoT malware and broader leverage and more sophisticated campaigns. Um, 
yeah you guys know we're building the IOT network here in in our environment in our network um, our IOT environment has a lot of um, home automation which is what most people are gonna see in small offices and home offices and that reason we do that is so we can walk you guys through securing it first step put it on a different a VLAN putting on a VLAN itself on its own um, keeping things patched right and that's one of the big things here is keeping this thing patched um, another thing is you know if if the vendor doesn't release a patch it's hard to keep a patch right so if they haven't released the patch you can't patch it so you, that's why you've got to have it on its own on its own network right it's gotta be on over on its own network so that if something happens your your exploited IOT device doesn't get onto your home computer your office computer and download stuff so that's that's what's going on with Tenda and one more some of my friends here NIST National Institute of Standards and Technology are in the news um, always doing good things NIST always doing great and wonderful things so NIST crowdsourcing challenge aims to de-identify public data sets to protect individual privacy and if you guys have been around you know PII is huge there's so much PII that's collected today from so many different sources and PII is publicly or privately uh, identifiable information um, that's your privacy information that's your your actual phone number, your address, your sometimes your education, your social security number, your bank account number, anything that can be linked together to point out you as an individual is PII. Um, there's different levels of PII, and it's a whole different story. But if we can put information together, you know, if those pieces of information can point to you, and sometimes it's it's very specific, like social security number is a very critical piece of PII because it points to an individual person whereas phone number, address, and name maybe have to be put together to be able to point to a person. Um, so we're talking about NIST wants to protect that privacy information that's being collected all over the place, right? So NIST has launched a crowdsourcing challenge to spur new methods to ensure that important public safety data sets can be de-identified to protect individual privacy. This is always way out there in front of some of this techno technological stuff. Um, the Differential Privacy Temporal Map Challenge includes a series of contests that will award a total of $276,000 for differential privacy solutions for complex data sets that, in that include information uh, on both time and location. So the time you're at a place and where you're at tied to you. Uh, it could be a video of you or some other PII of you at a specific location, they're trying to de-identify that. So you can't use that um, in a malicious way, right? For critical applications such as emergency planning, epidemiology, uh, public safety responders may need access to sensitive data, but sharing that data with external analysis analysts can compromise individual privacy. So they're saying there is a valid reason that we want to have access to this information for public safety but that shouldn't be made available to everyone, right? Uh, that makes sense. Even as the data is anonymized, malicious parties may, able be, may be able to link the anonymized records with the third-party data and re-identify individuals. And when data has both geographical and time information, the risk of 
re-identification increases significantly. So one time, a lot of times what we do when we de-identify information is maybe we say, okay, um, in we, we've got a name, let's say the easiest way. In this database, we've got a name and a social security number. We want to work with that, but we don't want to use the actual social security number because that's PII. So we create another table, and that other table has a social security number and then a made-up number, one, two, three, four, five, six. And then when we're using, when we're manipulating data, we say John Smith is one, two, three, four, five, six, and we can do stuff with that. And if we ever have to get the actual information, we can go to that table and we can look up one, two, three, four, five, six, and that points to the actual social security number. What they're saying is, if the bad guy can get hold of what we're doing and also that third party, that table, they can re-identify the person. Oh, man. So Gary Holworth from NIST, he's the prize challenge manager, says, a temporal data map with its ability to track a person's location over a period of time is particularly helpful to public safety agencies when preparing for disaster response, firefighting, and law enforcement tactics. The goal of this challenge is to develop, to develop solutions that can protect the privacy of individual citizens and first responders when agencies need to share data. It's de-identifying the information. Differential privacy provides a much stronger data protection than anonymity. It's provable mathematical guarantee that protects personally identifiable information, or PII. The individual contests that make up the challenge will include a series of three sprints. Uh, we're doing this in Agile. That's, we hear sprints, we always know it's going to be Agile. Um, in which participants develop a privacy logarithm and compete for prizes, as well as a scoring metric, uh, metrics development contest. Uh, better meter stick for differential privacy contest. Um, the contest designed to improve the usability of the solver source code, the open source and development contest. Uh, the better stick for differential privacy contest will award a prize purse of 29000 for the winning submission submissions that uh, propose novel scoring metrics by which to assess the quality for differentiating privacy logarithms on a temporal map data. You're gonna be able to. You're gonna be smart if you can talk about this today. A lot of, a lot of big, big old NIST words in here. The th uh, three temporal map logarithm sprints will be awarded a total purse of one hundred and forty-seven thousand over the series of three sprints to develop logarithms to preserve data and uh, utility of temporal and spatial map data sets while guaranteeing privacy. The open source and development contest will award a purse of $100,000 to teams leading in the sprints to increase their logarithms utility and usability for open source audiences. Woo! That's a good one. So that's what we're talking about NIST. NIST is doing a lot to try to protect privacy. So we see NIST a lot. We're talking about NIST for RMF. We talk a lot, NIST, about encryption. And now we're, you know, again, it's part of a type of encryption. Um, Differential Privacy Temporal Map Challenge. Um, say that 10 times fast, will you? So that's the top story. That's our last story of the day. What do you guys think? What do you guys think of the news? Um, Monday's usually a little bit quieter than most, most days. Um, coming out of the weekend, 
people are getting geared up. These three three kind of important stories, I think, um, for their roots. So PII, protecting PII, good for you, NIST. So we should, should see this evolving over time to better protect privacy information. That mapping, we know there's so many cameras out now, and that's one of the things we can map people and their assets like uh, biometrics, facial recognition, uh, the one that comes to my mind when talking about this, for location and uh, time where they're at, people are at that, we want to de-identify that. Thank you, Alex. Always great to see this morning. Looks like you, you got to roll out. Um, I don't know if that's what you're saying. We do have to give you something to talk about the water cooler, uh, something other than tech stuff, and this is National Do Something Nice Day. Do something nice. I've uh, linked, uh, put a link in the the show notes from Ring Central. They're saying here are seven ways to celebrate Do Something Nice Day. It's celebrate, make someone's day, offer a hand, smile, share a secret, not gossip though, make someone laugh, and add a friendly salutation to your emails like, hope you have a great day. Wishing you a very national, very happy national do nice, something nice day and have a great day. I appreciate you. And I'll kind of, I'm going to use that one as we log off today. Um, didn't see the Bravos here today, but um, they're going to tell you, go go get some today. I'm going to say, as always, take care of your friends, your family, your coworkers, your organization. Take care of each other. This is a community we're building after all. We want to build a community. Um all good things. All good things, guys. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for helping us continue to grow. Um, share with your friends if you would. Comment always helps us figure out which direction we need to go. So comment below. Let's see your comments. Love to see them. And uh, if you're looking for RMF, we got the RMF course up and running. We're going to probably do a little bit of tweaking on it today. Um, but it is out there. The topics are out there. Working late into the night. Make sure it's up and running. But uh, we'll probably do a little bit of tweaking on it. Uh, it's going to last two months. At the end of every module, we're doing a live session to talk about what was going on in that session. Eric, if you're still out there, I'll get you your code sometime today. I can't guarantee it when I'm going to jump on the website now and see if I can't generate the code now. And if I can't, I'll wait till when Mako and Emily come in. So anyways, that's where we're at. I am going to say have a great day. I appreciate you. Go out and do good things today. you got 168 hours till this time next week. What are you going to do with your time? Hey, throw that in the show notes. I'd love to see that. Anyways, we will see you tomorrow, 730 uh, East Coast time. If you want to listen to this on podcast without video, which is audio only, we're out there on all of the different uh, pod locations, Amazon, um, iTunes, all that stuff. So anyways, till tomorrow, we'll see you again. Have a great day, and I appreciate you.